Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Morning, Morning to all of you who are joining with us. Wasn't that uh, a moving tribute to Memorial Day? This young man in the video, no doubt, no doubt thought his father was a great man. And the men standing with that little boy, of course, of course, they thought their friend was a great man, certainly. And I believe all of us, all of us would have that identical sentiment, wouldn't we? We are uh, right now in a bit of a trying time in our history. But let's not forget, let's not forget the people who've made our country possible. They've been through times way worse than what we're living, and so many of them gave their all. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's a day that we commemorate and we remember the lives of great people, great men, great women who served and they sacrificed and they gave all. And we reap the benefits. We reap the benefits. And some of us right now, we might think, well, those benefits that were so hard fought, they're dwindling. They're being lost. And I I think if we just take some time and we look at the lessons we have learned over the past weeks, the past months, that as we move forward, We'll not forget. As we carry forward, we will not take for granted. We won't have this attitude that these things have just come without anyone sacrificing. We'll have a greater appreciation for our rights and our privileges and our freedoms. Many great people gave their lives for the liberty that we so enjoy. And of course, one of those liberties, which we heard Mr. Rob Susan speaking to was our freedom to worship, our freedom to worship together. Now, since mid-March, you might say, well, where is that gone? We've been separated. Well, we're worshiping online, and there have been some very good and rational reasons about why we've been doing that. And our liberty to worship, it has not been removed forever. We will get back together. And when we come back together, when, when that occurs, well, that's a, that's a debate. It's been debated locally. It's been debated across the country. In Michigan, although we do see the, the numbers of people who've been getting sick, they've been going down. Our governor has been relaxing uh, restrictions and uh, opening things up. Churches have been given an exemption. Churches have been given an exemption to conduct worship services. Nationally, if you've been paying attention, our president on Friday, he called for churches uh, to be open. He said churches are essential. And we've heard from many about this. Uh, We here in the uh, church, we've heard both directly from, from you. You've sent emails. You've let us know, voice messages, text messages, social media messages. 
And of course, so many of you participated in our recent church survey. Thank you very much for that. I want to keep you all informed about our plans as we move forward. We're planning next Sunday, May 31st, that uh, our sanctuary will be open. Uh, We will be taking precautions to keep safe distances and be safe throughout our service. And rather than give you all of those details right now, just please, during the week, later in the week, uh, we will have on our website, we'll have on our social media platforms, all the details in place. And we'll let you know uh, what the precautions that we are taking here as a church. And we'll let you know what our expectations are for you when you arrive. Uh, Just a couple of details, though, right now, uh, as we're planning to be in our sanctuary for our main service, it'll just be the main service only, 10 a.m. The nurseries will not be open. Kings Island uh, will not be in session, though Mr. Rob Susan will continue to be a part of our main service. He's been doing such a great job keeping uh, all the kids involved, and we'll continue that. There will be no 9 a.m. classes for adults. We'll just be here again in our main sanctuary for our service at 10 a.m. And I want to stress this, whether you choose to be in the sanctuary next Sunday or whether you choose to join the service online as you're doing right now, you're all part of one body. You're all part of this local church. Those uh, who come together here, we can do that safely. We can do that with wisdom and we'll respect that decision. And for those who decide to remain at home, we know, we know you have good reason. You have sound reason for making that decision. And we respect that decision. You might be in a high risk category. Uh, you, you may be, uh, have a suppressed immune system. Perhaps you're living with somebody who's high risk. You don't want to put them at risk by uh, getting out. That's okay. We definitely respect that. That doesn't mean you're acting out of fear. No, you're not. You're making reasonable decisions. It does not reflect your faith. Faith and fear are not measured by whether you're here in the sanctuary next week or whether you're at home. And I want y'all to know that's where our hearts are. What is important is that we remain one. We remain united. We're one body. And we can remain united. I consider it this way. Bethesda Christian Church is a multi-campus church. Yes, there will be some people here in the sanctuary, but so many of our satellite churches will be joining us online. We'll be here in this house. You'll be here in your homes. And we will all together exercise our right to worship the Lord together. And I'm looking forward to it. And I trust that you are too. Keep in mind, please keep in mind, things are fluid. Our leaders' decisions change, and they change quickly, and they change sometimes without very much notice. Please bear that in mind. Bear with us as we do our best to communicate with you. And just remember, plans may change. Stay tuned to our website and our social media. Let's look forward to next week as we all worship the Lord together. And let's thank God for so many great people and not forget them. So many great people who gave their life in keeping our liberty secure. And as as I said earlier, that little boy, that little boy in the video, no doubt he thought his father a great man. 
and the friends thought the same. He was a great guy. And of course, we would share that sentiment because he was, he was. And that word great, it, it, it just fits. It describes the man. But great's also a broad term. It's a broad term. People might ask you, did you have fun uh, on your time out or a vacation or something? And you might answer, we had a great time. Someone might say, look at the sunshine. And our reply might be, it's a great day. We use that word great to describe our events, our times, our achievements. And we use it to describe people. It's a meaningful word. People who died for our freedom, the men and women that we remember tomorrow, that we take time to commemorate on Memorial Day, who gave their lives in service to their country, we wouldn't stop short of calling them great people. And when someone truly is great, we don't say that they're kind of great. We don't say they're sort of great. Uh, She's, well kind of a great person. He's sort of a great guy. No, great. Typically it stands on its own and we don't modify it down and we typically don't modify it up either. We don't say someone's super great, very great. They're just great because that word encapsulates what we're, what we're looking for to describe a time, a place, a person. And for us as a people to be great it's something I think we all desire. We all try to uh, aspire to. Who wants to be mediocre after all? No, I think deep down, deep down, all of us want to be a great person. And how, how would one get there? How do you become great? William Shakespeare wrote a line in one of his plays, it was a comedy of all things, a 12th day or 12 days, I think it was called. And he wrote this. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them. Now, from a purely human perspective, that's not a bad line. In other words, greatness can be innate. We are born with it. Greatness can be learned. It's tutored, it's nurtured, it's practiced, and thus greatness is achieved. Or greatness appears in a flash. There's a a moment of necessity, a moment of crisis, and either one sinks or swims. So from our human perspective, it all makes sense and it makes perfect sense. But is that God's perspective? How does one become great before God? And I see an answer in the word of God. I see an answer in Psalm number 18. A week or so ago, uh, we were having some prayer updates from our pastor Barry on a Tuesday, I believe. And he began with Psalm 18. And he reminded us of the first three verses. He read the first three verses. And then he reminded us uh, of a song that, We've sung a song that's come out of verse three of Psalm number 18. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. 
so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Well, that inspired me to just continue reading the psalm. So after that prayer time, I kept reading all the way through Psalm 18. And it's a a wonderful psalm. It, It is. It's about King David. He wrote it. It's about one of his times of struggle. David was considered a great king. He was a child hero. He defeated this giant uh, Goliath. He went on to defeat many of his nation's enemies. He became king of Israel. And then he conquered Jerusalem. That was one of his uh, first, one of his first gr- uh, great things that he did. After he became king, he conquered Jerusalem. He made it the capital city. Then he built a palace. He expanded the kingdom. He extended its borders. And he began what's come to be known as Israel's golden era. He was a great king. In Psalm 18, the great king writes of being in a very difficult spot. And I want to share with you some of the verses uh, from Psalm 18, these are verses four through six. And I read this way. The ropes of death came around me. The deadly rivers overwhelmed me. The ropes of death wrapped around me. The traps of death were before me. In my trouble, I called to the Lord. I cried out to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My call for help reached his ears. David was in a terrible situation. He's in a point where he described facing death. He felt as if he were drowning. You know, a flood was coming over his head. He was in a trap. And he describes death wrapping around him. Death has coiled around him and it's squeezing the life out of him. But he cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard. And as the psalm unfolds, as you read through the rest of Psalm 18, David writes of deliverance from God, grand deliverance from the Lord. And he writes things like this. Lord, you defended me. You saved me from certain death. And then David wrote these words. I want to pick it up at verse number 30. Verse number 30 and read from Psalm 18. 30 to 35 says the ways of God are without fault. The Lord's words are pure. He is a shield to those who trust him. Who is God? Only the Lord. Who is the rock? Only our God. God is my protection. He makes my way free from fault. He makes me like a deer that does not stumble. He helps me stand on the steep mountains. He trains my hands for battle so my arms can bend a bronze bow. You protect me with your saving shield. You support me with your right hand. You have stooped to make me great. David in these verses gives credit to God alone. God is the rock. God has protected. God has enabled. David then ascribes to God some very personal things, personal life interaction. God, you protect me. You support me. And then the line that caused me to stop 
It caused me to stop and to meditate. God, you stooped. You stooped to make me great. And I thought, wow, God stooped. And what does that mean? It means God became humble. Another word is that God condescended. He came down. God came down to the level of a man, one of his creation. God was humble toward a human, a man. And David credits God with being humble and lifting David up, making David great. So how is it that David achieved his greatness? Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And some have greatness thrust upon them. Was none, of the, none of the ways that men might think of it. It was God reaching down. The Lord Almighty, the creator condescending, stooping down. In a word, being humble and lifting up David. So any exaltation, any greatness that could be ascribed to David, David's pointing back to God. David's given credit to the Lord. David would say, you call me great? He made me great. God stooped down. God came down and he's the one who helped me. He made me great. That's amazing. Could any of us say the same? Can any of us say that this has happened for us? How could it be? Would almighty God actually stoop down to the likes of us? After all, David was special, wasn't he? He was king. He was the leader of God's chosen people. God certainly treated him differently, didn't he? Well, for the rest of us, the the rank and file, the, the average person, could it be so? Could it be so? No, it can't. Or could it? Does, does that bear itself out in scripture? And the answer is, it does. It does. In a stunning portrait of Jesus Christ stooping down before a sinner. There was a person that was introduced to Jesus who no doubt felt as King David did, as he described in Psalm 18. A person who would say, the ropes of death are wrapped around me. The traps of death have been set before me. Who is this person? She's introduced to us at the start of chapter 8 of John's gospel. She's a nameless woman. Jesus was in the temple. He was teaching a crowd of people. Suddenly, the Pharisees, these religious leaders of uh, Judaism, they began uh, to, to barge into Jesus' teaching, and they were pulling with them a woman. And they pushed her to the center of the crowd. And the woman said to uh, the woman, they said to Jesus, they said, this woman's been caught in a sin. She's been caught in the very act of adultery. She was with a man who was not her husband. The law of Moses says, for this sin, we should stone her. What say you, Jesus? Should we stone her for this sin? Well, Jesus answered their question. 
And I, I pick it up for you in John chapter 8, verse 6. It says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing still. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus stooped down. Jesus stooped down to the ground before this woman, before a sinner. Now, this is a first century Middle Eastern man. And would a first century Middle Eastern man stoop before a woman? That's remarkable. And Jesus did this. And it wasn't just any woman. But it was one who was held in disregard. One who was caught in the act of adultery. But Jesus stooped down before her. And he stayed there until all of her accusers were gone. Now there's all manner of uh, speculation about what Jesus was writing on the ground. Maybe when he stooped, maybe he began to paraphrase Psalm 18. A death trap is before her, but God is her protection. He makes her way free from fault. God supports her. He has stooped to make her great. Now, we don't know for sure what Jesus wrote, but we know this for sure. All of her accusers left. And when Jesus stood up, he asked, has no one condemned you? And then he made the startling declaration, neither do I condemn you. And then Jesus offered her pardon. He opened the door to repentance. Go and leave your life of sin. This woman could walk away head held high. She could walk away as David wrote in Psalm 18, free from fault because she met one who would forgive her sins. She could walk away free, not condemned. She was made great by the one who stooped down and saved her from death. And that same Jesus that same Jesus offers to every sinner the opportunity to repent, to be saved, to become a child of God, and to receive eternal life. Could you be any greater than to be a child of God and have eternal life? Absolutely. There's nothing greater than that. And Jesus made it possible for you. He made it possible for me. We heard it the open. Thank God. Thank God for Jesus. We heard at the open that God Almighty took on human flesh, the very nature of a servant. God became man. 
Jesus. He humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was humble. He gave up heaven. He stooped down from his divine glory to become a man, to become like his creation. And then as that man, he gave up his life to pay for sin, to pay the penalty for sin. That was more humility. He humbled himself. He stooped low. That's our God. That's our God. He did that for us to pay the debt of sin. And he calls all like he did for that woman. He calls all to leave their life of sin. And he'll say to you, he'll say to you when you do that, neither do I condemn you. And you'll be from condemned to free. You'll be from death to life. You'll be made great. He will make you great. And you cannot get any greater than that. I don't know if there's anyone watching me this morning that maybe you've never, ever responded to Jesus. As he would say, leave your life of sin. This morning, you can do that. You can be made great in his eyes. You can receive eternal life. I want to pray as we draw our service to a close. And if that's you, be like that woman and receive what he says. Neither do I condemn you and leave your life of sin. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your humility, for your condescending, for you becoming a man, coming down from your high place to the likes of us and to make us great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. If there's any in my voice, any in my listening voice who have never received eternal life, who've never said, I I see that Jesus gave his life for my sin. Lord, I pray, God, that if there's any right now who are turning to you, God, that you receive them and their sincerity. Lord, we know that you, God, our creator most high, do not think too highly of yourself to help us to support us, to be our rock, to take us from death to life. And we thank you for that. Receive any and all who are turning to you. And God, for all of us who turned to Jesus and said we're going to do our best to walk away from that life of sin and we receive his grace, we've received it. Thank you for that, God. Thank you. Help us all to continue to rest in him. And we thank you, God, for him giving his life for us. And Lord, we thank you too for all those men and women who served and sacrificed for our country. Lord, we pray that uh, we never forget tomorrow. May we take time to call them to mind and thank you for it. We appreciate you, God. We appreciate you. Lord, as this next week unfolds, we just ask your grace. We ask your goodness. Lord, we pray for your grand blessing, for your guidance and your direction. As uh, we make plans to come together, again, Father, we're one. 
Bless your people, God. Bless them all. Bless them. Keep them. Lord, keep your hand upon us. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.